RadioInfluence.com. Why, Crusher, it's good to see you. You're listening to Crush Performance with the Crusher, Jeff Crushell. Get in on the talent grid and text Crush at 101260 with your questions, comments, or smart-ass remarks. Welcome to Crush Performance, everybody. We're your weekly source for performance information. I am Jeff Rochelle. That is Connor Halley, the con man. And we're your weekly source for performance information. So, the global shutdown continues. And it's a very, very frustrating time for athletes, students, uh, at every single level. It doesn't matter whether you're involved in sport or not. People are missing graduations, school plays, recitals. We're missing provincial playoffs. We're missing... Uh, Our professional sports being shut down. There's just uncertainty at every corner. The one thing we talk to our athletes about right now is controlling what you can control. And the one thing I think for our athletes that's most important is just staying sharp, staying ready. Because this is going to pass. We're looking at this time as an opportunity to get better. To do things that we wouldn't normally do if sport and our activities were continuing on as normal. This is a huge opportunity just to frame it up and look at what you can do to make yourself more valuable in whatever you do. Music. It could be photography. Acting. It could be in magic. I don't know. It doesn't matter. But you can really turn this around, everybody. And that's what we're encouraging certainly our athletes to do. Our athletes are doing that. I'm telling you right now. They are doing it. They're getting better as we speak. And I'm sleeping better at night because of it. And I want you guys to start thinking about this too. Each day, each morning, I've been posting things on in our social media. On Twitter, at Jeff Crush. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram, YouTube, and LinkedIn. Just search out Crush Performance and we're there. And I've just been posting things that we're encouraging our athletes to do to help them get better and stay sharp during the shutdown. And it might have nothing to do with your sport. And one of the great things about a massive shutdown or time away from your sport is, for example, when one of our athletes gets injured. We really look at ways, one, of course, we rehab and the return to play. We, we want them to return to play a better player, a better athlete than before they got injured. That's the number one priority. And sometimes that means doing things that maybe aren't directly related to your sport. And I think this is a huge opportunity for exactly this. If you listen to the show, one of our themes here in 2020 is specialization and the huge downside of early specialization. And if we look at some of the things we can do during this downtime, you know, while we still work on our skill work and while we still work on our conditioning, you know, keep your cardio up, work on your movement skills, do what you can to maintain your strength. And, you know, yes, set time aside to work on your skill work. We're asking every one of our athletes to come up with a daily plan, especially now that school is coming back online, online. Right, Our kids are all learning from home now. The teachers are posting things online. So we need time during the day to do our schoolwork, time for homework, time to wake up. When are you going to eat? And what are you going to work on each day? What are you going to work on in your sport each day? Sport-specific, things you learn from your coaches or your coaches are asking you to do. And what are you going to do as an athlete today to train, condition, and get ready for your sport? And sometimes the greatest opportunity here is to step away from your sport. And one of the things that I just truly love, if you don't know how to juggle, learn to juggle. So many benefits. Now, does it have 
a direct correlation into your sport? No. But can it hurt? Absolutely not. Can it help? More often than not, motor tasks, coordination tasks, eye-hand coordination tasks, uh, foot-hand, foot-eye coordination tasks like this, juggling a soccer ball, even if you don't play soccer, can be a huge benefit and a very, very important way to round out your athletic abilities. This is the time. It might be music. If you're an athlete and you maybe pluck on a guitar or um, if you play the violin or piano a little bit, maybe push, push the limits there. There's so many things you can do to make yourselves better. And if there's one thing we know, and we're going to be talking about this in the next few weeks, um, meditation, yoga, and, and just getting in the right frame of mind can change your outlook day to day. It's a powerful, powerful tool. And I'm going to encourage everybody to uh, look on Monday here on uh, March 30th, 31st, for some very important posts we're going to make in terms of how your brain works and how you can change your mood and your attitude just through deliberate thinking, but also some very, very cool drills. Anyway, fun, fun stuff. All right, today, a really big show as we kick off a three-part series here on Crush Performance looking at anti-doping and drugs in sports. March was a big month. It marked the 15th year anniversary of the congressional hearings on steroids in baseball, which was a dark, dark time for the sport. And I was the uh, head strength coach for the Blue Jays at that time. And it was difficult for a lot of people in the sport, especially for the people who were trying to do it the right way. Everybody was kind of aware of what was going on and uh, nobody really understood how deep it went. And the media did blow it up a bit, but we're going to get to the bottom of it. And today we're going to kick it off with a really important conversation with Don Hooten, the founder and executive chairman of the Taylor Hooten Foundation. And Don was a major part of those congressional hearings back in the early 2000s, and rightfully so. His son, Taylor, who was 17 years old in 2003, committed suicide after using steroids. And Don and his son, Don Jr., have made it their mission to educate and raise awareness so no family will ever have to experience what they went through. We're going to go back and visit those dark days for the Hooten family, and we're going to talk about where they've come and the great work they're doing in the name of Taylor. And of course, the big shutdown continues, and I want to make sure everybody's still in the right frame of mind. It's a stressful time. There's been changes and things we've had to deal with that we could have never imagined. We're going to talk with player agent Manny Schmidt from Link Management International about how they're helping their athletes cope, and I want again... Frame this up as a huge opportunity. We'll talk about that. All right, so coming up after this break, everybody, we're going to talk with Manny Schmidt and then a very important conversation as we kick off our anti-doping and drugs and sports series with Don Hooten. Stick around. If you have any performance questions, comments, or smart remarks, text Crusher at 101260 and follow him on Twitter at Jeff Crush. Now, here he is, the Crusher. And welcome back to Crush Performance, everybody. Jeff Grishel here. Hey, we're your weekly source for performance information. If you want to get in touch with us, reach out. Crushperformance.com is the website. Follow me on Twitter, at Jeff Crush, and on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and LinkedIn as well. Search out Crush Performance. The shutdown continues. And we are posting almost every day great drills and things you can do to stay sharp and stay ready. Because sport will return, I promise you. It's just a matter of where you're going to be. And what's your level of readiness going to be when you come back? We're encouraging everybody to stay sharp and get better during this downtime. Well, today we're really happy to announce show number one, episode number one in a three-part series looking at anti-doping and drugs in sports. 
March marked the 15-year anniversary of the congressional hearings into steroid use in baseball, and it was a dark time for sport. But what came out of the other side was something that turned out to be quite good. A new era of doping, testing, and regulations in virtually every single sport. We've got a fantastic series coming up. Today we will be talking with uh, Don Hooten, the founder of the Taylor Hooten Foundation. We'll talk to him about the dark days of their family as their son in 2003 at the age of 17, young high school baseball player, committed suicide after using steroids and dealing with all the withdrawal and how that was so mismanaged and how they had no idea. A good, honest family. And the work that the Hooten family and the Hooten Foundation is doing now is incredibly important. So for parents, coaches, teachers, athletes, this is an incredibly important conversation and one that we need to share. Most high school students have never had a conversation with a parent, a coach, or a teacher about PEDs or banned substances. And the scary thing is, at the middle school age, that's the fastest growing user group. And most of those users are non-athletes. The fastest growing user group are young females more worried about their appearance than anything else. And the dangers and the side effects and the long lasting uh, damage that can happen um, is just too important not to talk about. So today's conversation is incredibly important. Don will be coming up right after uh, we talk with Manny Schmidt from Link Management. And then this series. In this series, we'll be talking with Travis Tiger, the CEO of the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency. We're going to talk with Dick Pound, who's a former president of the World Anti-Doping Agency and member of the IOC. He also led the investigation into the Russian doping scandal. We'll talk with Mr. Pound. We're also going to talk with NSF about their sports certification for supplements. Supplements is a dark, sports supplements is a dark and dangerous industry. Very, very unregulated, and we're going to get to the bottom of that. But right now, let's talk about the major shutdown. We're joined now by our good friend, Mr. Manny Schmidt, the founder of Link Management International. Manny, thanks for joining us today. Jeff, always great to be on with you. Thanks for the opportunity. No, we are actually very excited to uh, track you down and get a hold of you because we know this is a very trying time for everybody uh, and most certainly the athletes. And we wanted to uh, talk with you about how you are helping your athletes deal with, you know, seasons cut short, the unknown of future contracts. And uh, there's a lot of things sort of unbalanced here. Um, and I think we just need to take a step back talk about it, figure things out, and move forward with purpose here. And I, I think that's one of the things that uh, you've been talking to your players about. Yeah, absolutely, Jeff. It's, uh, it's a unique, unique time, I guess, might be one of the best uh, words I can come up with for sure. Right? It's, it's something that is unprecedented. It's not something that um, anyone in their wildest dreams uh, could have imagined uh, that this would be our current reality. But with that said, it is our current reality. And so now, you know, like we've always told our players, um, one thing we can guarantee you is that you will experience adversity. You don't know when, you don't know how long, but adversity will come. And so for uh, this point in time, this is most certainly a form of adversity for players, for families, for society in general right now. And it's, um, I think it's going to be an important phase um, that that is going to define a big part of our future. Yeah, no question about it, Manny. You know, we talk about our athletes, and they're you know we we work them into just a mindset of being so focused, goal orientated. We like to get them into their routines and you know building and moving forward. 
very, very difficult for any of those to happen right now. And I think, you know, if we were to sort of reframe this and keep this in a positive light, we have to look at this as an opportunity. And that's the way we're, we're framing it for all of our teams, athletes, and organizations is an opportunity to do things that we wouldn't normally do. Much like we talk about with our injured athletes, you know, we have a time for, for being mad, being sad, being angry, but then we got to regroup really quickly and move forward with purpose. And I think that's, that's a really good mindset right now. Yeah, great, great point, uh, Jeff. We uh, we sent out a, a notification to our players and families, and that was one of the pieces that we touched on. Is uh, exactly that around um, you know adversity being opportunity, and and um, like you indicated, I mean, players, um, athletes in general are, are made up in a way that they have a routine. They they wake up. They've got goals. They focus. They they operate at that type of level, and and what we've been trying to instill in in, in the messaging that uh, we've been sending back to our uh, our players, which I think is is something that isn't just for athletes, but is that that routine, that mechanism, while it might be different, you can still operate in the same way. So, what are those goals for today? How can you focus in on utilizing this and still working towards improvement, working towards having impact. Um, and so we've been really challenging uh, our players in a way that what can you be doing, what are your goals this week while you're at home? Um, both from a performance basis, from a helping perspective basis, um, you know, we've got players that are engaged in helping create online content um, for you know, not just the athletic segment, but for other segments and getting involved in online book clubs and, and different things that, that uh, continue to trigger those, those habits that they have, but just in a different way. Yeah, no, I really like, we're talking with Manny Schmidt from Link Management International. Manny, I really like this. You know, when we talk about overcoming adversity, we need to adapt. And we do know that the athletes who can adapt the best typically typically have incredible successes along the way. And that is not just in sport and skill sets. That's also in mindset and overcoming adversity in life as well. Um, And I like the idea of setting goals and objectives Uh, that allows you to have expectations. Clear expectations can lead to accountability. And when you have both of those sort of in balance, that accountability factor where you can hold yourself accountable, um, it's another um, I guess, uh, area that athletes can develop themselves in even further uh, that, that runs right in parallel with skill set development. Yeah, uh, absolutely a great point, Jeff. I mean, I think the one thing you, if you look at an athlete, um, one of the things that they strive for, that's you know, almost one of their most important things, is having success. What does success look like? I want to win. And so What's important is to find ways to create wins um, where they can experience success in short-term cycles, uh, but just in a different way, um, because that's the way they're operated. And frankly, again, like, like you and I have often talked about, is it's, that's not entirely only, you know, unique only to the athlete. As, as individuals, we are programmed in a way that we desire success. We want to see wins. Um, and so now is an opportunity to say, okay, how, how do I create those wins um, in a different format but still feel that, that momentum, that excitement that, uh, that comes along with achieving a goal? 
Yeah, and I love the idea of the book clubs and getting into something different, rounding yourself out. You know, we talk about rounding your skill set. Whether you're a hockey player, baseball player, basketball player, you could probably benefit by doing some juggling eye hand tennis ball drills or working on vision. You know, there's um, juggling a soccer ball would be good for a baseball player. You know, everybody's got to keep their cardio up. So the physical side is important as well. But I like rounding yourself out as a person as well, taking a music lesson, learning or, or, or pushing yourself a little further in your guitar lessons or your piano. We're taking up art for crying out loud. We have a player in South Africa right now who is really having a tough time. It was a big spring training for him, and he was about to really break loose, did all of his work. And you can imagine the disappointment. We're all sort of going through it in, in our own way. Uh, but, but I just talked to him about, hey, what, what else? What do you have beyond sport? And this is a real important concept. And Manny, you and I have talked about this before. I said, I said what do you have beyond sport? He goes, he said to me something really interesting, man. He said, you know, I, I, well, you know, I said, you know, I, sport and baseball has allowed me to travel the world. He says, you know, one thing I've really come to appreciate is landscapes. I go, landscapes? He says, yeah, landscapes and panoramas. I said, so what do you do? Do you paint them or draw them? He said, no, no, I take pictures. I said, awesome. I said, hey, well, why don't you get into some photography and and post some of those pictures online? I said, personally, I'd love to see them. And so I'm looking forward to checking out his Facebook page, but he has great pictures. He showed me some of them. I said, did you take a photography course? He says, no, no, this is my phone. I'm going, are you kidding me, man? But these are the little things, right, that really round you out, and then maybe this is a good time to to start investigating that as an athlete. Yeah, that's that's a that's fantastic. Hey, I, I got uh, you. Got to send me the link to that. I'd love to see that. You know, this is these are times where I think um, we actually get to find and, and hone some skills um, and some passions, or more importantly, that we typically wouldn't have. Right, we're so focused on our primaries that we forget about our secondaries. And so sometimes these, uh, these pit stops, these uh, you know, breaks in time, allow us to go, okay, what are my secondaries? What are my secondary passions that I can spend a little bit of time in? And getting involved in something like photography, outstanding. I mean, that, that's just... And so, again, those are, those are short, short-term wins that help create, keep you excited, keep you engaged, keep you motivated... Um, and, uh, and at the same time, uh, you know, keeping you ready for, uh, for when everything does come back to normal, because it will, this isn't, uh, you know, I'm sure we're going to see somewhat of a reset of how we, we operate as society, but at the same time, um, you know, like they always say, this too shall pass. And so we got to stay, uh, we got to stay safe. We got to stay diligent. Um, but we also, uh, we also got to be, you know, creative and, uh, keep, uh, moving forward. Yeah, I like it. We're talking with Manny Schmidt from Link Management International. This too shall pass. Those are uh, words of wisdom right there, Manny, because it is going to pass. And that, on that note, you know, looking at young athletes, whether it was our junior or professional hockey players, our baseball players who were just ready to go, the NBA players who were shut down, or think about those college teams that just for the first time were participating in March Madness. You know, these are, um, you know, it, you could look at it as a lost opportunity, but, you know, let's let's face it, everybody got to where they were. Uh, we're going to have a little pause here. It's going to start up again. Um, having a perspective of where you were at in terms of your sport and your passion is really, really important. Having a clear understanding 
marketing, and then trying to decide what you can do to increase your value, increase your skill set, and like we 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 like to talk about in our in our programs, raise your ceiling of potential down the road. Um, right. It's a it's a it's a it's it's more difficult than you might think to self evaluate and do that uh, properly to you know figure out where you're at, and, and you need help sometimes. And I think you and I have gone through that with a, a number of your players, but this is a valuable time to sort of sit back, get input from your coaches, the GMs, the scouts, uh, agents, uh, fellow teammates, and really get a clear understanding of where you're at so you can build forward with purpose. Yeah. it, uh, And I think the important thing, Jeff, is to um, be real with where you're at. Yeah. Right? I mean, everybody is dealing with different levels of emotions. And, and I, I think about... Um, you know, some of, some of our players and players that I know well, where, you know, for them, this, you know, whether it was the overagers at the, uh, at the, uh, you know, junior level and they're playing their last games and heading down the stretch, we're about to play potentially their last game at that level or the, at the pro level guys playing. Um, and maybe it's, you know, they're moving into retirement and they sort of got cheated out of that that final hurrah, that that um, celebration of this is the end of my journey or this phase of my journey, and and so those guys they they need some they need some extra attention. They need to be able to talk through that and understand that and say, okay, th- those are real emotions, um, and uh, and we got to own those emotions, uh, allow ourselves to um, to work through those emotions. Um, but then also take a look and say, okay, how do we move past that? What does past that look like? And that's what you were just talking about is um, how do I now, you know, look at increasing my ceiling, creating my next opportunity, capitalizing on my, my next opportunity? Uh, what can I be doing now um, that gives me that, that competitive advantage um, during this time over, over somebody else? And, um, and so I think to me, it's a process that we've got to be cognizant of uh, in terms of where every you know, every person, every player is at, and then uh, and then you know work from that point forward. Um, own where you're at, and then um, begin the process of planning planning forward, as we always say. I love it. I love the whole concept of a process because it's going to be a process, and in no way, shape, or form should you ignore anxiety, depression, sadness. Those are real things that can be addressed, and let's get it clear for everybody who's listening. Uh, These are things you don't have to face alone. There is very actually Manny I think I can comfortably say nobody can make it alone it's not possible in this day and age so um, there's support structures out there and and you're right I like what you said Manny it's going to be a process and you have to work your way through it but you can't ignore things that are real and we know that some of those emotions especially at this point in time are incredibly real so let's talk about them yeah no those are a great thing we uh, <laughs> it's interesting you talked about one the process and then support um, in in the uh, the message we sent out to our families um one of the phrases i used is support is a two-way street um and <laughs> i love it and reminding people that hey if you need support don't hesitate it, it's not it, it doesn't negatively reflect on you if you're not ask, if you if you ask for support so if you're feeling down if you're feeling um uh, anxious if you're feeling stressed if you're feeling isolated lonely whatever those are um uh, look for support ask for support but on the same time, this is also a great opportunity for each of us to be cognizant and vigilant of those people who might need support, whether it's teammates, friends, um, parents, grandparents, um, uh, you name it, 
I think we got to be vigilant and say, hey, this is a time for us to be able to demonstrate leadership and be leaders as well and uh, extend support to those people who may not have the confidence to ask for. Um, and I said to a player the other day, I said, you know, the impact you have during this time may end up being greater than any impact you have in any single game. Um, but there is oppor- huge opportunities to have impact. And so to me, if we can keep in mind that support is a two-way street, uh, we got to ask for it. Um, and then if we see someone who needs it, we got to give it. And, uh, uh, and through that, you know, we use the phrase in, in sport all the time, you know, be a difference maker, be an impact player. Well, I think you still have that exact same opportunity during a time like this. Oh, great stuff, Manny Schmidt. Uh, I totally appreciate our conversations, and this was a very, very important one in this uh, this challenging time for everybody. And, of course, this conversation goes well, well beyond sport. There's no doubt about it. This, too, shall pass, I think, is the big message. And uh, let's get through the process, work together, and get it done. Manny, thanks so much. Glad you are safe and sound. All the best to you and your family. And we'll look forward to uh, staying in touch. And uh, when we get in front of this thing and on the other side, uh, we'll look forward to the return of sport as we know it. Absolutely. Jeff, thanks for uh, all your messaging and for what you do. And even during a time like this, I think um, your uh, your platform and uh, expertise and message uh, couldn't be more valuable and important. So thank you for all you do and for your passion for um, enhancing performance during each and every time and phase of our lives. So uh, thanks for that, buddy. Yeah, you got it, my friend. Our pleasure, for sure, man. Stay safe, my good friend. Likewise to you. And there you go, Mr. Manny Schmidt. Always a great conversation with Manny and a good perspective there for all those athletes who um, are shut down right now. There is an opportunity here. Let's take advantage of it. Coming up after the break, we kick off our series on anti-doping and drugs in sports with a very, very important conversation with Mr. Don Hooten, the founder and executive chairman of the Taylor Hooten Foundation. Stick around, everybody. This is a very important conversation. Find out what it takes to be a top performer. Get the Crush blog, podcast, and newsletter at crushperformance.com. Now, back to the show. And welcome back to Crush Performance, everybody. Jeff Groeschel here, the con man right there. We're your weekly source for performance information. Listen, reach out. Crushperformance.com is the website. Info at Crush Performance is our email. Let us know if you have any questions, comments, or smart remarks. We love them all. Or if you have a topic or something you want help with, if we don't have the answers, here's what I could tell you. We'll get the answers. And we may even dedicate a segment or an entire episode to your idea, so please write to us. Well, today we are kicking off a very important show, a three-part series looking at PEDs and the anti-doping movement in sport. March marks the 15th anniversary of the congressional hearings into steroid use in baseball, and it was a dark time for sport in general, not just the game of baseball, but Major League Baseball wound up leading the way and now is one of those progressive and stringent doping programs in all of professional sport. It was a long, hard road getting here, but we're here, and they're also now leading the way for other sports to follow in their wake. But it wasn't an easy road, and there's a lot of implications when it comes to professional athletes using performance-enhancing drugs in sport. Whether they like it or not, they're role models, and it's an important role to play, especially when we look at these impressionable young athletes who look up and idolize them. And unfortunately, all too often... Young athletes are getting caught up in the dark side of sport. But there's a movement out there that's trying to raise awareness and educate people on the dangers and the downside of using drugs, not just for sport, but also for appearance purposes. We're joined now by our good friend, Don Hooten, the founder and executive chairman of the Taylor Hooten Foundation. Don, welcome to the show. Oh, Jeff, 
Uh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, we're so um, uh, honored to have you on today. We've been uh, big advocates and supporters and, of course, uh, promoters of everything you guys do at the Taylor Hooten Foundation. Um, Don, if we were to go back and just give everybody an idea of what this is all about and how it started, we'd have to go back to Taylor playing baseball in high school. It's kind of where the story really starts, doesn't it? I'll, I'll be glad to. We uh, live in Texas. Uh, Sports is premier down here. I mean, sports is everything. Baseball is not the top of the list, but but it, it's right up there with football. Uh, Taylor was a baseball player. Uh, our family has been baseball. My first cousin played professional baseball. I was with the Los Angeles Dodgers for over 10 years. Uh, uh, Taylor's older brother, Donald, uh, played uh, High school ball and college ball was a Division One baseball pitcher, and Taylor was following in his footsteps. And along the way, when Taylor was a sophomore in high school, uh, his coach told he and one of his other buddies that they needed to get bigger in order to improve their chances of making the varsity team. And Taylor was six foot one at the time, 180 pounds, and I still haven't figured out why. A coach would tell a kid that size to get bigger, but nevertheless he did. And I don't think he had any sideways intentions there. He just thought Taylor ought to get bigger. Well, Taylor, like all kids do, took the coach's instructions seriously, and he and his buddy Mark uh, resorted to using anabolic steroids to help them achieve their objective. And what the coach didn't know when he gave Taylor and Marco's instructions was that half of the boys on Taylor's high school baseball team were already using anabolic steroids. And uh, Taylor didn't need to look far to figure out how the other guys had achieved their objective. And he began using anabolic steroids shortly thereafter. And about seven months later, Taylor committed suicide. And uh, the doctors tell us, uh, Jeff, that uh, it is highly likely that Taylor's use of anabolic steroids contributed significantly to the uh, depression that followed and uh, to the suicide that unfolded. Uh, it's a tragic story that you guys have turned into something really powerful, Don. So at the time in high school, uh, Taylor would have been 15 years of, of age when he started using steroids, you think? He was 16, to be exact. 16 uh, years. Uh, he, he was 16, and because uh, when he committed suicide, he had just turned 17. Yeah, what a tragedy, Don. And, you know, for parents who are out there, you know, who are hearing this story for the first time, um, you guys were loving parents, of course, very involved, um, but you didn't know under your noses. And this is one of the messages we're really trying to spread, isn't it? Well, yeah, Jeff, we, you know, we, we have always been involved with our kids. Taylor has uh, had an older brother and sister. Uh, sister was involved in, in rowing. Donald was involved in, uh, in, in, in baseball. But we went to their games, went to their, uh, to their meets, and, and were always involved. And uh, like so many parents, uh, we, you know, attended their games and, I think back to, to the friends, the group of friends that we made, uh, in, you know, from, that, that were out there to watch their kids play sports. And I can say with a matter of fact that uh, the parents of, of the other 
kids on Taylor's baseball team were completely unaware, like we were, that the kids were using uh, these drugs, and which was one of the primary reasons that when we were caught off guard, when, when, when Taylor committed suicide, that we felt so driven to, uh, to speak out because we knew that none of, none of our friends, none of our network of parents and you know, others that followed this sport were at all aware that so many of our young people were using these drugs. But, you know, the good news is we've touched uh, several million people in our journey over the past uh, 17 years. The bad news is, is that most parents today, the truth is, don't have any idea that their children could be involved uh, with, with this drug use. Because, Jeff, this is our best kids. These are our achievers. These are kids that are looking to get that scholarship that mom and dad uh, would love them to get. And maybe most sadly, this this problem has morphed over the last uh, 15 years from from one of being primarily for kids to improve their size and speed, uh, in, in, to, to be able to compete in sports, to where what's happened today, uh, experts tell us about 80% of the kids that are using these drugs aren't in sports at all. They are using these drugs uh, to look better. You know, what, what, you know, from a social standpoint, just, just think about this, especially for the parents that are listening to us now. Uh, the, the competition amongst the kids for the attention of the, 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 the their friends of the opposite sex, uh, you know, Taylor looked better, and as a result, uh, you know, we used to say, you know, for you, Taylor, you're lucky. Girls are like a bus. Uh, just wait 15 minutes and another one will be along. That was one of our jokes with him. But <laughs> what the kids have found out is there's a lot of truth in that, and that uh, the, the other kids that are not using these drugs figured out, well, if that's, you know, if using these drugs or what it's going to take to get that beefed up, buffed up look uh, in order to compete for the attention of the opposite sex, then guess what? I'll try it too. And it's to the point now, like I said, about 80% of the kids that are using this stuff aren't doing it for sports reasons. They're doing it for social uh, social reasons to look better and to be able to compete better in their, in their social world. And that's where we come around with the appearance and performance enhancing drugs, the APEDs. That's correct. We we sought to uh, introduce a, a different name for this class of drugs. It used to be just PEDs, performance enhancing drugs, and we felt it important to introduce the idea of appearance because that is uh, the primary driver for this, and, and, and the numbers are, I mean, they're, they're really scary. Yeah, they really are. We're talking with Don Hooten, the founder and executive chairman of the Taylor Hooten Foundation. Don, you know, for the parents who are out there, and we know kids are using, um, did you guys notice any mood changes or personality changes in Taylor before that dreadful day on in July 2003? Well, in, in hindsight, which is always 2020, all of the classical signs were right before our eyes. But like most of the parents listening to us right now, Jeff, we had no idea what to look for or what we were looking at. Let me just give you 
you know, a few examples. Mm -hmm. Uh, First was his instructions were to get bigger. Well, he got bigger. In a period of about 90 days, Taylor put on approximately 30 pounds of muscle. Now, we attribute it to the dietary supplements he was taking and his almost obsession with working out at our local YMCA. You know, exercise. We were reinforcing the behavior. Uh, Little did we know that, as the doctors tell us, it was physically impossible for a young man at 16 years of age to, to put on that kind of muscle growth without the use of something like anabolic steroids. So that should have been our first indicator. But other things also came along with it that are classical signs. There was, uh, Taylor had a severe case of acne on his back develop, ugly acne. Uh, not just minor, but, but, but significant acne developed, so much so that uh, my wife took him to our dermatologist to uh, to. to, to get the traditional acne treatments. Now, in hindsight also, or parenthetically, uh, the doctor never commented or attributed to the acne growth on the back. Uh, He never expressed concern that this might be anabolic steroid usage because that's classical. Mm -hmm. Uh, We we tell parents, tell kids even, that if you're in in the gym, uh, in the locker room, and you see a young man that's all in great shape, walking around with towels wrapped around his, uh, over his back. Uh, it's probably to hide the acne that he's embarrassed about, but that's a clear sign that you've probably got a steroid user. Uh, Tara, uh, Taylor developed a case of bad breath. Now, a lot of kids have bad breath, but that you know you begin to put all of these together and you've probably got a steroid user. He developed a puffiness in his neck and in his wrist and in his ankles, uh, which is uh, comes from the water retention that uh, the, the anabolic steroids cause. Uh, just, just a whole number of signs that we did not notice or didn't attribute to steroid uses. But what we did notice that really raised um, concern with, with Taylor's mom and me was... Uh, his, his mood swings. Mm-hmm. Uh, Taylor, uh, you know, we're good Christian home, uh, good students, study, uh, uh, well-behaved, always well-mannered. But Taylor uh, would, you know, resorted to just explosive outbursts of angers with his mom and me. Uh, for example, on, on multiple occasions, uh, his mom would go into, go into my office which he used to uh, to do his studying at night, and would go in there around ten o'clock, ten thirty at night, and say, "Taylor, you got to get out of the chat rooms. Uh, it's time to go to bed. You got school tomorrow morning." And on several occasions, Taylor would just explode at his mom, curse at her, uh, slam his fist down on, on the top of the desk. On one occasion, slammed his pitching hand through a sheetrock wall, uh, and and bruised it enough that we took him to an orthopedic surgeon to have him check. What we were looking at, Jeff, was roid rage, Mm -hmm. something that gets joked about, but it's not a joke. The uh, testosterone levels in a young man's body are already high. They, they, They hit to just gross, excessive 
levels of testosterone when you're injecting anabolic steroids, which are synthetic testosterone, and the mood swings that we see with our young boys at 15, 16, 18 years old become significant mood swings to the point that, you know, they're statistically a greater chance of violence, fistfights, kids doing harm to others, or as in the case of Taylor, doing harm to themselves. And that was what triggered us to, to, to take do, uh, Taylor to the docks to see if we could find out what were causing these explosive outbursts. And then from there, such an important story, and I'm glad you're able to share this because, you know, uh, just as you were sort of blind to it all in the moment, there's so many parents right now that don't realize how rampant this drug use is for appearance and for sport as well. So, um, Don, really thank you for sharing this. When you guys met with the doctor, did you guys start getting an indication that something was going on? or And, 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 and what happened from there to get him, you know, to that, you know, sort of period in July? Well, we took, we took Taylor to our normal family physician and asked the docs that, uh, you know, we know something's wrong with Taylor. We don't know what it is. Could it be drug use? And asked him to, uh, uh, to, to talk to Taylor about the dangers of drugs. Uh, Taylor's older brother mentioned it might be anabolic steroids because Taylor, uh, Taylor's older brother, Donald, was playing college ball and knew that it was going on there. And in hindsight, I think, you know, the doctor did give Taylor a lecture on anabolic steroid use. We had him tested for drugs. Uh, the, the test came back clean. Uh, Taylor, of course, smiled at us and said, Mom, Pop, I told you I wasn't using drugs. And, and we started to move and go forward. Well, the mood swings continued, so we took him to a psychiatrist and had her talk to him and it took her six one-hour visits to get Taylor to admit that he had been using anabolic steroids and sadly this doctor in fact most doctors have not been trained on how to deal with a steroid user and um, she had him quit cold turkey which was really his death sentence Oh, uh, it's boy. sad to say, yes, uh, because about six weeks later, uh, Taylor uh, took two belts and hung himself on his bedroom wall. Uh, the last thing uh, the doctor should be doing when treating a steroid user is is to have them quit cold turkey. They have to wean them off of the drug. But uh, this doc, like so many, probably the family docs of most of the people listening to us, uh, haven't, you know, haven't been exposed. They, just like most parents, are unaware that uh, this is something they're seeing in their practice every day, but there is no training that has been given to them to prepare to recognize it and how to treat it. And we're working with the medical community uh, to get that corrected, but uh, we've just got a huge mountain that we are climbing all the time. We're talking with Don Hooten, the founder and executive chairman of the Taylor Hooten Foundation, also the father of Taylor, who committed suicide in July of 2003, related to all the side effects of steroid use. It's such an important story, Don, and it was an important story. It was deemed actually very, very important at the time. The Dallas Post, CBS, 60 Minutes, the New York Times. Um, the word got out really, really quick after Taylor's passing. Yeah, we were uh, blessed. 
if that's the right word, uh, it was very, very, very difficult at the time to talk about. But uh, we walked into what we thought was an epidemic of steroid use in North Texas. And we quickly learned uh, the hard way that it wasn't just a North Texas sports problem. It was a national problem. And that kids all over the country were using these drugs. And we just happened to be one of the first families uh, to experience it and to, to step up and talk about it. And that caught the media's attention. And uh, like you point out, uh, uh, we had several local stories done, but there was one done by a, a New York reporter, uh, uh, Jeray Longman, who did a front-page story in the sports uh, pages of the New York Times, and uh, that kind of cracked us wide open. And our next year or two were spent talking in the media, and thank goodness for that, to, 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 to raise awareness and to motivate us to form a formal organization, the Taylor Hooten Foundation, where people could support us via tax-free donations, and we could in turn take those monies and grow a small organization. We're still only five people, but that travel the country uh, speaking to parents and coaches and kids and nurses and school administrators uh, and law enforcement and so many that I can't even think of them all to, to, to teach parents how to, how to address, recognize, and deal with this problem. Such an important, such an important job you guys have, and it's uh, it's really, really, as you mentioned, impacted a lot of people. Over a million people you guys have connected with directly, indirectly, probably uncountable. What a great thing you guys caught a lot of interest, and you guys had a lot of support from WADA um, to the pro leagues, um, and it kind of all started. You know, I, I remember. Uh, I was the head strength coach for the Toronto Blue Jays in the early 2000s when that whole PED thing blew wide open. And you had a role to play there, too, especially when the uh, Senate hearings came around, Don. Maybe tell us about that and what what it meant for you and, and how that came around. Well, the, you know, it, this bubbled up out of all of the news stories. Uh, for, 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 for those that are listening, you will recall back in the uh, early to mid-2000s, uh, the Bash brothers, McGuire and uh, Conseco and Jose Sosa and Barry Bonds, uh, all in just a home run explosion that uh, for, for the dozens, or excuse me, dozens of decades of baseball, records that had not been broken but just seemed like every week there was another home run record being broken. And I think everyone in the country, certainly baseball fans, sensed that there was something going on. And, of course, the Congress uh, began to a series of investigations into what was going on with focus on anabolic steroids. And that was just about the time that our story was, was unfolding. And we were invited to three different hearings in Washington uh, to speak to uh, our, our national leaders about our experience and the impact that uh, the, the, the role models uh, Bonds and McGuire and some of these other guys were having on our children. Uh, this all culminated in March of 2005, 15 years ago this month, where the uh, House Oversight Committee uh, held a series of hearings uh, 
the, the day on March the 15th was the most watched hearings in the history of the Congress. To this day, I mean, there were millions of people that, 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 that got exposed to the problem, and I had the uh, blessing to be able to testify during those hearings about our experience with Taylor and that, you know, guys, this is not just about cheating in baseball and whatever home run records have been set. This is about our children. This is about kids that are following these guys' leads and are doing serious permanent damage to their bodies and to their minds. And uh, that day, the leadership of Major League Baseball was there. Bud Selig called me at home the next day, introduced himself, and ever since that summer of 2005, Major League Baseball stepped to the table and have bec- you know became and are still major supporters of our work, which allows us, uh, in addition to the financial support, which gives us the ability to, to go into the schools across the country, it uh, puts us in baseball stadiums. Every summer we travel to every Major League Baseball stadium to do programs for kids, uh, we have role models on every team that our Taylor Hooten Foundation reps, uh, some of the best players in baseball uh, that carry our banner and provides the opportunity for these guys to use their role model status to explain to kids how they made it to the top of the sport by doing it the right way with proper diet and exercise and following the rules. So it's become a real positive blessing for us, uh, even though Commissioner Seelig is uh, retired now and is the Commissioner Emeritus, we still enjoy a great relationship in the, uh, at a personal level and uh, enjoy the support of Rob Manfred, uh, the current Commissioner of Baseball, and the wonderful support that, and partner that baseball has been and is in our work. We're talking with Don Hooten, the founder and executive chairman for the Taylor Hooten Foundation. You can check out their website, taylorhooten.org. Taylorhooten, H-O-O-T-O-N.org. Um, Don, going back to those, um, um, the House Oversight Committee um, 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 meetings there when you were called to speak, uh, you had some powerful words. And I believe if I'm quoting these properly, please correct me if I'm wrong, you called the players cowards in open court on televised, the most televised House um, oversight committee uh, meetings ever uh, watched, you know, in terms of audience. And you also said you don't get a choice on whether you're a role model or not. You called the players out at those meetings, Don, and I, I want to talk to you about that. Yeah, it took, uh, you know, I had those words prepared. I had worked on my, you know, you, you've just given five minutes to talk, but a couple of guys on the committee whispered to me, Don, once you get started, nobody's going to stop you. So I stretched <laughs> my comments to about 10 minutes, and there was a section in there that I had second thoughts going into the hearings, whether or not, you know, with all the TV cameras and people, whether or not I was going to uh, say those phrases or not. And I was a competitive public speaker in high school and college, and I was always trained, you don't switch your talks or speeches midstream Go with what got you to the party, and it, it, it just—I was trained to, to to go with what I had prepared, and I, I meant those words. These guys, all they think of—you know—professional athletes of all stripes. 
Their world is focused on themselves. I mean, just think about whatever sport you are a follower of. There are very few. There are some, but there are very few of these guys that uh, look outward and uh, really take their responsibility to the youth seriously and recognize that, uh, you know, you, 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 how you behave, what you do in, in, in exercise or on the field, all of that, you've got little eyes all around you that are watching you and, and emulating and, and mimicking every move you make. And with the steroid business, so many of these guys, I think of Barry Bonds and uh, just Jose Canseco, a number of them that were pretty vocal about, you know, they don't have, I don't have a responsibility of the kids. This is about me. Nobody, I don't want to be a role model for anybody. And as I tried to express during the hearings, you don't have a choice as to whether you're a role model. You are a role model just by the virtue of where you sit in the pecking order in professional sports. And, you know, try to lecture them much like a dad or, or a good coach would do about your responsibility and you know, and I, those words are, are just as valid today as they were then. You have a profound responsibility to these kids to do the right thing because these little guys are going to do whatever you're doing and whatever you did to, to, to achieve your objectives. They're going to follow you every step of the way. And in those days, anabolic steroids were common in sport, not just baseball, common across all sports and uh we had kids all over the country as we learn later that were that were emulating these guys and it was these guys responsibility and and, and many of them weren't living up to that responsibility and i hope that uh you know we had some impact in getting you know the leaders of sports to take this issue seriously and uh, over time, uh, and we're still working on it, we work on it every day to get our kids straightened out and, and back down the straight and narrow when it comes to drug use, uh, thinking that it's going to make them better and improve their chances in whatever sport they're in. Oh, Don, I'm so glad you did not change that speech because I believed it did uh, change the direction in which things traveled after those Senate hearings. Uh, Don, it, it led to, of course, the development and the real promotion and support for the Taylor Hooten Foundation, the All Me League, which is your group of athletes and sports leaders who are just teaching kids and showing kids uh, the right way to go about their business. And for all the parents, coaches, and athletes listening today, I can't tell you, Don, how much we all thank you for sharing your story. I know it's a tough one. Uh, TaylorHooten.org is the website if parents want to get more information. And I'll just leave you with this. This is off of the Taylor Hooten Foundation uh, website, um, a very important um, uh, finding by a study by Procter and Gamble that showed 85% of high school age, ki- age kids have never had a parent, teacher, or coach talk to them about the use of these drugs. Don, a powerful, powerful statement, and we're trying to make a change in that, aren't we? We are trying to make a change in that, and sadly, uh, these kids. You, you you assume your kids are being talked to in in school about this. We abdicated so much of our responsibility to the schools. Uh, I challenge you, uh, when you're sitting down visiting with your children, ask them 
uh, if they've been talked to at school about this topic. Uh, at best, I predict, at best, they're gonna, you're going to find that you know, one or two 30-minute sessions in health class or gym class, uh, this was discussed, but certainly not to a level that would convince these kids that this is something they ought not to be doing it. So it's up to you, parents, uh, to educate yourself, become aware, and to take time over the dinner table or wherever you're comfortable talking to your children. By the way, need to start talking to them when they're 12 or 13 years old. This isn't just a you know, high school sports activity. We need to talk to all of our kids about these drugs, just like we talk to them about alcohol or cocaine or heroin or any of the other high-profile drugs that we're all aware of. Take some time to educate yourself. Our website is a great place to start. There's stories to read and facts to understand that will give you the tools that you need to be able to understand and communicate with your kids. Uh, and and it, that work is so important, and you're the only ones that can do it in so many cases. Don, thank you to you and your family and everybody at the Taylor Hooten Foundation for everything you do. And listen, thank you so much for sharing this story and your time today on, you're right, the 15th year anniversary of those uh, Congressional Senate hearings. So, uh, Don, thank you so much for the message and your time today, and, and thanks for sharing that powerful story. Jeff, thanks for having us. Uh, we appreciate your support, bud. Okay, there you go, everybody. What an incredibly important conversation. This is something that I'm just going to encourage you to share with your family members, with your teammates, your fellow coaches, your teachers, everybody you know. Uh, this is a conversation that we need to have more often because whether you like it or not, you know somebody. You know a young person who is using something that's probably pretty dangerous. Whether they're athletes or whether they're just a young person concerned about their body image or their appearance, it's happening. And the numbers are right there. And these are conversations we need to have. I cannot thank Don Hooten and his family for doing everything they are for young people and sport in general. Just an incredible conversation. All right. We're going to wrap it up here today. Uh, I want to thank, of course, Manny Schmidt for joining us and Mr. Don Hooten. And next week, stay tuned as we continue our series on anti-doping and PED use in sport. Coming up in the next few weeks, we'll be talking to Travis Taggart, the CEO of the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency. We'll be talking with Dick Pound, former president and founding president, as a matter of fact, of the World Anti-Doping Agency. And he's also still very, very involved in the anti-doping movement. He was one of the lead investigators cracking down on the Russian doping scandal. We're going to talk to him about where we're at right now in the world of anti-doping. And then we're going to be talking with NSF as well, the National Sanitation Foundation, about their Certified for Sport program that's helping athletes make safe choices when it comes to supplements. It's a dark, dark industry and it's something that every athlete needs to know about so that's coming up in the next few weeks again if you guys have questions comments smart remarks please reach out crushperformance.com is the website info at crushperformance is the email we answer every single message we get and these are very important conversations uh feedback is always appreciated and please share this episode so get out there everybody get better and we'll talk to you next week right here on crush performance Goodbye now. Don't forget to write. 
Radio Influence strives to bring you excellence in podcasting. We work with personalities like TV chef Brian Duffy, radio personalities like Ian Beckles, news and political pundits like independent journalists Frank and Tracy Beans, experts from the sports world like veteran football scout and coach Chris Landry, pro wrestling personality David Penzer, MMA experts Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan, and strength and conditioning coach Jeff Crushell. If you're looking for food, sports, music, entertainment, politics, no matter the topic, Radio Influence has something for everyone. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com. 